Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Valley Creek. It is good to see you today. I want to take a moment and welcome in all of our campuses, whether you're joining us in Flower Mound or the venue, Denton, Louisville, online, maybe at an extension site, wherever you are in the world. We want to welcome each other together today. So let's do that. And we are so glad that you're here with us as we're starting a brand new series today called Spring Break, It's Time to Take a Break. And even as I say that out loud, doesn't that just sound good? Doesn't that sound good in your heart just to take a break, man? Life travels so fast and people and things seem to clamor for our attention and the pace can get chaotic. And so sometimes we just need to take a break. So I have some great news for you because spring break is coming up. Yeah, so some people are like, I gotta work. Okay, so your students are probably coming off for you know, spring break and you might have a vacation plan or maybe you're working and it's not that much of a different schedule. Either way, here's what we wanna say to you. Don't miss it. Don't miss a chance to just take a breath and just relax and just enjoy and just enjoy the season that God has you in. Even if you're not going anywhere, even if the schedule's not that different for the spring break season, just enjoy. You see, we need to find refreshment in a chaotic world. We're invited to live free and stay healthy. We're invited to rest after a busy season. Or to put it another way, we're invited to take a break before we break. So Jesus did this pattern where he would go through these busy seasons and he would minister and do miracles and teach and people be around him. And then he would go off and he would take a break. A time of rest with his father or a time of rest with his disciples and they would just spend some time together. Can I just tell you something? Breaks are for life, not from it. So the breaks you take, they're for your life. They're not from it. If you ever find yourself in a season thinking, I just need a break from my life, just time out. Call a time out. Stop. Something's not right. Because the breaks that you take are for your life, not from it, for your life, to refresh you, to refill you, to prepare you for what Jesus wants to do in the next season for your life. During things like spring break or vacation times or down times in your life, think about how to check into your life, not check out of it. So a good way to think about this is like, you don't wanna check out of your life, you wanna check in into relationships, into what the Lord's speaking, into what you're feeling in your heart and what's been, what's been happening. Don't check out of your life. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like if you check out and you're like, man, you're there in the room, but you're not really there. You're hearing people talk, you're not listening. You're never fully present. That's checking out. And that is not what Jesus has for us. So let me ask you this. Have you been tired? Have you been maybe snappy with the people around you? Have you been feeling like you're overwhelmed in this season? If so, this is why for the next few weeks, we're going to focus on taking a break for life, on taking a true spring break. Matthew 28, 11 says it like this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion, the performance cycle, just trying all the time? Get away with me and recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Yeah, that's what Jesus offers. And that's why for the next few weeks in this series, we're going to focus on taking a break, enjoying your life, taking a rest. And today we're going to start with this. Today we're going to start with this idea that you can take a break to play. And I don't mean going to a theater production. I mean actually playing in your life, like living life in a joyful, uh, hopeful, playful kind of attitude, like actually playing 
Loving your life and having this, this sense that little kids do of awe and wonder and playfulness. You see, playing is simply just enjoying your life. That's the best way to break it down. Like if you're gonna play as an adult, it's just enjoying your life. So I wanna kick it off by telling you about my seven-year-old Naomi. My seven-year-old Naomi, she loves her life. She's got a playful, joyful attitude. She's just full of joy and vigor. She loves to sing, she loves to play, she loves to hang out with friends. And Naomi is what you would call a morning person. Or more specifically, she's a very early morning person. And so my wife and I have learned this over the years that she likes to get up at 6.20 a.m. every morning and just take on the day. So she's singing, she's playing, she's doing something. Well, more recently, we bought her this thing called an Echo Dot. And an Echo Dot is like a music player, like a sound player. It uses some kind of magic and you can talk to it and it will play music. Whatever music you want it to play, it will play for you. So Naomi's the youngest in the family, so she gets a chance to control the Echo Dot. She's all about this. She can tell it what to do. So at 6.20 a.m. every morning, here's what happens. Alexa, play Miley Cyrus, Party in the USA. So I put my hands up to play my song, butterfly fly away. <laughs> and my wife and I are looking at each other thinking, whose idea was it to get the Echo Dot? <laughs> then the next morning, 6.20 a.m., Alexa, play Miley Cyrus Party in the USA. So I put my hands up to play my song, but party in the USA. Every morning at the Hillier House is a party in the USA every single morning. So for those of you that don't have uh, little children, when you face like a daylight savings time, either a fall back or a spring forward, and everybody else is either falling back to sleep or springing back forward to the things they have to do that day, just think of us that have five-year-olds walking biological clocks running around our house. They have no idea what time it is. So my wife and I, with Naomi, instead of getting frustrated by it or annoyed by it or trying to stop it, what I've started to realize is I just need to embrace it. And not only do I need to embrace it, I need to actually emulate it because there's something for me in it. When I think about her dancing and singing, it feels like her spirit on the inside is dancing and singing. And then I ask myself, why isn't mine? Like, why don't I approach life that way with all the joy and the wonder and the hope of a child? Have you ever asked yourself, when did you stop playing? Like when was that in your life that you stopped playing? I think for a lot of us around middle school or high school, as we get into sports and trying to try out for sports or you know, grades or just social norms, I think we get into that time of our life and we just stop playing. We stop seeing life that way. Like when did Naomi's joyful, uh, hopeful heart transform into my bill paying, <laughs> schedule creation, adulting heart? Like I used to be like that. I could rock some Legos, I'd play some Nerf guns. I had all kinds of fun. But what about you? When did you stop playing? Oh, Jason, I, I, I still play, you know, like, like work hard, play hard, I know. But, but how about this? When did playing become an if-then statement in your life? Like if you work hard, then you can play hard. If you get enough money for retirement, then you can take it easy. If you have enough money to, to go out with your family or enjoy this vacation, then you can. Because I think that's what happens to a lot of us as we get older. For most of us, I think something happens and we stop playing. We stop seeing life with the playful, joyful heart of a child. We begin to see play as a kid's thing instead of a for my life thing. 
And so we start to live in these if-then equations, work hard, then maybe play hard. And that becomes our mantra so much so that I think we actually look down on play and playfulness. I think we look down on it. And see, throughout history, adults have been doing that. They've been looking down on overly playful children or looking down on people that live with this playful, joyful heart. Like think about, you know, think about like pop culture, like things like Dennis the Menace, like, hey, you kids, get off my lawn. Or if you guys know the, uh, the cartoon Curious George. Curious George, there's, there's this man with a yellow hat that has adopted this monkey, George. And so George will destroy his apartment pretty much every day. And for some reason, he's surprised that a monkey destroys his apartment. He has to make all these insurance claims. And I'm thinking, you got a monkey in your house. So you shouldn't, really, you shouldn't be that surprised at this point. And yet he gets so frustrated by George's playful, joyful attitude. And see, even Jesus' own disciples had the same thing happen. In Matthew 19, check this out. Matthew 19, verse 13. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Can I just ask you, do you ever rebuke the little child inside of you? Oh, we don't have time for that. Oh, that's frivolous. Oh, no, 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 we, that's no laughing matter. We gotta get serious. Verse 14, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The kingdom of heaven, all the riches, all the hope, all the joy of the kingdom of heaven belongs to people who have faith like a little child. So what does that mean? Does that mean we're supposed to act childish? No, no, no. Jesus is not talking about maturity. He's talking about heart posture. He's not saying that you have to act childish. He's saying you have to be childlike. We're supposed to enjoy our life. We're supposed to live with faith like little children live with a playful, joyful heart. Even one chapter earlier, Jesus had told them that unless they repented and started to see things in a different way, they would not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. So therefore, the kingdom of heaven would not be able to enter them. Unless they had a change of mind, unless they started to see their life with faith like a little child, they would not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, it couldn't enter them. So that means all of those things, the joy, the hope, the peace of heaven, wouldn't be able to enter them. See, it works both ways. We go to heaven someday and heaven comes into us today. The fullness of heaven is available for us today. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, so all of the riches of heaven can come into you. So what does that mean? It means I can approach life with all of the joy and the hope and the wonder and the playfulness of a child. Why? Because if the kingdom of heaven is inside of me and the kingdom of heaven is a worry-free zone, a stress-free zone, and a hope-filled zone, then that means all of that is inside of me. And Jesus says all this to us, by the way. He says, hey, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear, how things are going to go. Listen, I take care of flowers and I take care of birds. How much more will the Father in heaven take care of you? He says, you don't have to be stressed out about things. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. So you don't have to live in a stressed out kind of lifestyle. He says, you can be hope filled. You can have all the hope and the riches. In fact, Christ in you, the hope of glory means that you radiate with hope. And so because of that, because you live in a worry-free, stress-free, hope-filled zone, or more specifically, that lives inside of you, you can play like a child. 
And parents, you know this is true. You know those times when your kids come to you and they're thinking, I'm all stressed out and I'm all worried and I don't know how this is going to turn out and, and you can fix it in like 10 seconds. Like, oh, I got so much homework. I'm all like stressed out and worried about it. You come and you sit down and help in their homework. It's like done. That's, that's good. Um, they come to you and say like, oh, I, I broke my toy. My, the head fell off my doll. Like, can you fix it? I'm so hopeless. This will never be fixed. And then you, you take glue and you fix it in like five seconds. Oh, wow. Thanks, mom and dad. And so what happens there is your perspective, you know, you have it well under control. And then all the fear and all the worry and all the stress and all the hopelessness that they feel is just because they can't see it like you can as a parent. Well, the same is true for your heavenly father. Let me just ask you, doesn't it break your heart to see a child who's worried, to see a child who's stressed out, to see a child that feels hopeless. Like if you go, if you look at like, you know, a war-torn country or like kids that are in like a tough home situation, doesn't it break your heart to see that? How much more does it break the heart of your father to see you like that? So he wants you to live in the truth of the kingdom, a stress-free, a worry-free, a hope-filled zone. So think about this, why don't we play? Well, we think it's because we don't have enough time, but in reality, it's because we don't have enough trust. It's that we don't actually trust that God has it well under control, that he's got things in hand. Trust that God is good. Trust that you are loved because you are. In Christ, you are his child. And so the worry-free, stress-free, hope-filled zone resides inside of you. Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God, it's not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, this verse is the key to living a spring break lifestyle. The kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, and joy. So I want you to think about this for a second. In Jesus, we are righteous. That means we have right standing with God. We never have to wonder what our standing is. We're, we're righteous in Jesus. In Jesus, we have peace. Because we have peace that passes any of our understanding and it goes past our circumstances in our relationship with God. And we have joy. We have all the joy of the kingdom that can flow from the inside of us to the world around us. So in Jesus, our righteousness means that we have a brand new identity. When you receive the grace of Jesus, you get a brand new identity. You are righteous. And we have peace because we walk in this active relationship with God. We, we experience his presence in our life, his presence calms us down and we have joy because we've got the hope of the kingdom rising up in our hearts. It's a party in the USA. Come on. We got joy inside of us. So think about all three of these in the eyes of a child. A child knows really who they are and who their parents are. And so they walk in that kind of confidence. That's why they could say things like that are crazy. Like, Hey, my dad's going to beat up your dad. Like they could say things like that. Or a child says, man, we have peace because I just know that mom and dad have it taken care of. Like, it's okay. They got it under control or a child just has joy because every day is, a, is, is play. Every day is joyful. That's how a child sees it. And this is why playfulness and laughter are just so important because they're the byproduct of this kingdom reality. They're the byproduct of actually believing that. Like I am righteous, I have peace, I have access to joy. So can I just ask you, is your life marked more by righteousness, peace, and joy or by fear, worry, and stress? Because if it's the latter, 
then you're invited to receive what Jesus wants to give. In fact, even now, you can recapture that childlike spirit by just saying, Jesus, I receive your righteousness. I receive your peace. I receive more of your joy. That's for me, Jesus. And that can help you recapture that childlike faith, that childlike playfulness. Proverbs 17, says, a joyful heart brings healing to body and soul. That's where the verse, uh, where, the, where the phrase laughter is the best medicine. Like if you've heard that phrase before, laughter is the best medicine, it comes from that verse. Now, I don't know about you, I've never actually been prescribed laughter from a doctor, although that would be a pretty good idea because it can heal both the body and the soul. And that's, that's why if there's people in your life that are going through difficult seasons or somebody's had a major loss or they're working through some kind of uh, you know, loss of a, of a person in their life, you wanna give them permission to both cry and laugh. Like it's okay to do both because both are absolutely part of that situation, but the laughter can begin to heal their heart and their body and their soul in ways they can't fully understand. So can I ask you, when was the last time that you straight up belly laughed? Like, ow, my belly hurts, this is starting to get awkward, people in the restaurant are noticing that we're laughing, belly laughed. Because I'd encourage you, create conversations and spend time with people that just make you laugh. Those are the kinds of people you wanna hang out with and not because they laugh at people or make fun of people. Like just make you laugh because genuine joy is flowing out of them. In fact, if you're not hanging with people like that, then maybe, just maybe, it's time to find some new friends. Ones that live with the righteousness, peace, and joy of the kingdom. Ones that live in that reality. See, one of the things we've noticed about people who are spiritually mature is that genuine joy and laughter just flows out of them all the time. They're just always joyful. Have you ever known somebody like that? Like every time you talk, like there's just joy, there's hope, there's laughter that's coming out of them. And every season and every situation, joy just flows. Proverbs 31, 25 says about a woman, she can laugh at the days to come. That's the kind of person you wanna be friends with. The one that can laugh at the days to come. No matter what's gonna happen, no matter what it looks like, she's just laughing, she's just joyful because she knows that Jesus is with her. One of the very best parts of being on our staff team is that we laugh so hard all the time. We laugh in staff meetings, we laugh in the offices. We, sometimes we'll say, if we don't laugh, we're gonna cry. Like we just laugh, we love it. Laughter is part of our staff culture and, it, and it's good. It's medicine for our soul and it binds our hearts together. It's just good to laugh. So I'd encourage you, definitely spend time, live in the reality, spending time with people that make you laugh. And in honor of all of that laughter, I've decided to compile a list of some of the very best, maybe the very worst dad jokes that I'm going to tell you right now. Here we go. <laughs> Number one, let's have some fun, shall we? Here we go. Number one, what did the buffalo say to his son when he left for college? Bye, son. Bye, son. Get it? Because it's like a buffalo is a bison. Yeah. Okay. Number two, what's a pirate's favorite letter? Yeah, you'd think it'd be R, but it's actually I for I, I, Captain. I like to make my face go like that when I tell the joke. All right, number three, a guy goes to the doctor. He's got a carrot in his nose, a celery stock in his ear, and he looks at the doctor and says, Doc, I hurt all over. 
The doctor takes one look at him and says, son, you're not eating right. (laughs) That's good. Listen, laughter's good and joy is contagious and both, and both can be spiritual acts of worship. Let me tell you what I mean. In Matthew 21, there's the story of Palm Sunday. And, and Palm Sunday is the story of when Jesus rides into the city before Easter, right? It's a celebration. Kids are like waving palm branches around. People are throwing out cloaks and blankets. They're getting excited for Jesus to come. It is a party atmosphere. And so when you read Matthew 21, you get a little clearer picture of why church is actually a party. Because when we gather together and King Jesus rides in, it's a celebration. And so we should be excited to meet together and to celebrate the resurrected Jesus, just like they were celebrating his kingship in Matthew 21. Well, in verse 14, we get a little bit more insight into what's going on. So check this out. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Now catch it. People that don't want to live with joy want to mock those that do. That's exactly what you see right there. Verse 16, do you hear what these children are saying? They ask him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. From the lips of children, the playful, joyful words of children, you are praised. So a playful, joyful heart is worship to God. A playful, joyful heart is worship to God. Now, next level, Jesus is referencing a verse out of Psalm 8, verse 2. Listen to this. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. So a playful, joyful heart is worship to God and it defeats your enemies. A playful, joyful heart is worship and it's warfare. It's worship because you're worshiping God with your joy and it's warfare against the enemies in your own mind and in your life. Enemies like fear and worry and hopelessness. Enemies of darkness like oppression, confusion, sin patterns. Let the enemies of God in your life be destroyed by your playful, joyful heart. Let joy rise. Let worship rise. And let it become worship and warfare against the enemies you've been facing. Some of you have been living a defeated life because you just need to get out and play some more. Like you just need to get out and play and enjoy. Think about it. Why is it spiritual warfare? Because it's confidently resting on the finished work of Jesus. No stress, no worry, just confidence. To play means I give up control and I put God in control. Little kids have like the least control of anybody. And yet... They play all the time. And yet they have a joyful, playful heart all the time. So what are some practical ways that we can do that? What I wanna do is I wanna share with you a practical list of ways that you can play as an adult. What you're gonna find out from this list is this is simply approaching your life like a child does. Like just thinking about approaching your, your seasons and situations like little children do. So here's a list, some practical ways we can actually play as adults. Here's the first one. Host a game night at your house. Don't wait for somebody to invite you, you invite them. So game nights are fun, and even if you don't like game nights are fun, maybe they could still be fun. And usually they're full of just, you know, they're they're frivolous and they're good, and unless somebody's really competitive, they don't usually get violent. So I'd encourage you (laughs) to have a game night at your house and invite people over. Here's another one, invite people over with no game plan and no agenda. 
Like maybe the house doesn't have to be perfect. Just invite them over and just see what happens. Because same thing, that's what kids do all the time. They just have play dates and they're not really sure what they're going to do. And they're just going to hang out with each other. So that's a great way to think about inviting friends into your life. Another one, schedule time in a park or outside. Just wonder and wander in God's creation. Students, maybe you just schedule time to meet at a park with friends. Just meet up together. Just make that time to be outside. Another one is to choose to be playful with your spouse or with your siblings. Just make it a choice ahead of time. Say, I'm going to have a playful attitude. I'm going to have a playful heart. I'm going to be joyful and laugh at the little things, laugh at animals, laugh at crazy situations, laugh at quirkiness in life. Hear me, don't laugh at people. Don't make fun of situations. Don't laugh like the world does. Laugh in a different way, in a joyful way. Remember, don't make, a, don't make fun of people because that's just not the way of the kingdom. Listen to this, Ephesians 5.4 obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So when we laugh, we can laugh at all kinds of things in life. We can find joy in the absurd. Here's another one. Surround yourself with playful people. Just surround yourself with people that are playful. Don't hang out with grumpalumpaguses. If you're hanging out with a grumpalumpagus, man, you're going to become a grumpalumpagus. Like, don't hang out with people like that. Joyful people. And then the final one for me, practical steps to play. Play with your kids and more specifically, dads. Play with your kids. Because here's the thing. Why are you working? Why are you traveling? Why are you saving that money? If not to enjoy your life. If not to enjoy the people around you and play and lean into relationships. Just play with your kids. You see, when you're a kid, it takes discipline to work. When you're an adult, it takes discipline to play. When you're a kid, it takes discipline to work. When you're an adult, it takes discipline to play. You have to actually plan it out. You have to embrace the worry-free, stress-free, hope-filled kingdom that resides inside of you. Let me begin to finish up with this. So children play because they feel loved. And children play because they feel secure and children play because they are creative. And this is also true for us as children of the good father, of ch as children of your father in heaven. You are so loved, for God so loved the world. That includes you and me. Jesus is how much the father loves you. You are loved. Children play because they feel secure. God says, listen, no one's gonna ever snatch you out of my hand. I will never leave you or forsake you. You are secure in Jesus. And children play because they are creative. You are made in the image of the greatest creator of all time. Of course you're creative. Of course that's inside of you. This is the one, you guys, that I think we lose a lot as we get older. I think we lose it because it's hard to be creative when you're stressed out. I think we lose it because I think about my girls, they're able to like build tent cities with chairs and blankets and face paint and, and dolls. They have all kinds of creativity. And so I think there's something that the Lord wants to invite us into as adults to reclaim the creative in our life. Like over Valley Creek Church, I even speak that out. We will be a church that's going to be creative in the arts and in stories and in writing and in worship. We will be creative. You will be creative in the boardroom and in the classroom and in the places you go to work. You will be creative, bringing fresh ideas to bear to the world's problems. We're made in the image of God. We're creative. And so if you think about that, that's true for all of us. We can be that. We can be children and we can play like children because we are loved, because we are secure, because we are creative. 
The more you play, the more creative you become. The more you lean into the arms of your father and play with him, the more you realize you are loved, you are secure, he has you. It's time to play. It's time to truly take a break and enjoy your life. In the book of Zechariah, there's a prophecy about how the people will return back to the kingdom of God. The people who have been in exile will return back and be with the people of God. And in Zechariah 8 verse 5, it says this. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. This is a prophetic word for us. That the city streets of your heart will be filled with a childlike faith. Will be filled with the little child that once resided inside of you. Playing with joy, enjoying their life. Listen, it's almost time for spring break. And so I pray that it's full of refreshment. I, pr- I pray that it's full of people. I pray you check into what God's doing, not check out. I pray that you enjoy it because it's okay to rest. It's okay to play. It's okay to enjoy. It's okay to laugh. And actually it's more than okay, it's worship. So can you choose to trust? Can you give yourself permission to rest and enjoy and play because it's time to take a break. It's time to take a break and play. And it's time to pray. We pray with me. So Jesus, we just say right now, we want that. We want faith like a child. We want hope and playfulness and laughter to rise up in our hearts. For everybody in this room, for every person here, if our, uh, if our life has just put us in the stressed out, worried, hopeless zone, Lord, will you just remind us of the kingdom that resides inside of us, your kingdom, God, the kingdom that you came to bring and, and the one that you reign in, God, that that kingdom is accessible both in the future and is accessible now. I can live in those realities. We can live in those realities. For everybody in our our church family, I pray that we really will laugh and enjoy our life. The life that you've given us. The life that you gave your life and then came back to life to give us. That we just would have joy. That we'd be known by our joy. We'd be known by our laughter. We'd be known by the hope that wells up within us. For every person in this room and in the sound of my voice, God, I just pray right now that we would realize how much we are loved and how we are so secure and how we are meant to be creative and to live in that creativity. So let us step into that fully, God. Let us truly take a rest and recover our life and let us lean into everything you have for us in this next season. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.